and I will speak. Hear the words of our God. Let the teaching fall like rain and our words ascend like dew, like showers on the grass, like a funny rain on tender plants. I will proclaim the name of the Lord, will praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock, his works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. They are corrupt and not his children. To their shame, they are warped and crooked generation. Is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father, your creator, who made you and formed you? So this is like their national anthem. This is the song that Moses is teaching, and this is a very um, helpful song. He encourages them to listen. This is like rain, like dew, that gives energy and vigor and life and vitality if they'll actually listen. It's a, it's a refreshing message. He proclaims the name of the Lord. You remember... Proclaiming the name of the Lord doesn't mean telling what you call God. Proclaiming the name of God, the name of the Lord, is declaring His character. Telling about what He's done. The name of God stands for who God is in His nature and essence. And who God is, He is a great God. Our God is the rock. Now what makes Him the rock? Seven times in this song, seven times, He's called the rock. Because he's strong, he's stable, he's firm, he's unchanging, he's reliable. He's the rock. He's perfect, just, faithful, righteous, upright, no injustice. Now, that surely was not true of the idol gods. You could never depend on them. They were moody. They were, they were up and down. They were with you and against you. You never really knew. Sometimes you didn't know where you stood with them. God is totally reliable, totally dependable. He is unchanging. James 1 says there's no shadow of turning. You know, his shadow never changes. You know, he's, he's always constant. He's always the same. Um, and, and it gives you someone to count on. gives you stability. We face uh, tumultuous, chaotic things and to rely and, and, and uh, uh, cling to the Lord gives us that anchor. And firmness. But what have they done? Think about where Israel's at. They've acted corruptly toward him. They're not his children. They're a perverse and, and, and uh, wicked generation, crooked generation. There's the contrast between God as the reliable one and Israel as unreliable, crooked, perverse. Is this the way you repay God? Is this how you treat the marvelous, wonderful God that he is? Isn't that outrageous to take a God that's so good as He is and repay Him by being so uh, vacillating and, and, and just uh, uh, unfaithful to Him? Comments and thoughts? 7 to 14. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, and he will show you, your elders, and they will tell you. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob has allotted his allotted heritage. He found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of the wilderness. He encircled him, he cared for him, he kept him as an apple of his eye. 
Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions, the Lord alone guided him. No foreign god was with him. He made him ride on high places of the land, and he ate the produce of the field, and he suckled him with honey out of the rock, and oil out of the flinty rock, curds from the herd, and milk from the flocks, with fat of lambs, rams of Bashans, and goats, with the very finest of the wheat, and you drank foaming wine made from the blood of the grape. God's blessings and grace to this nation were just unbelievable. He chose them, made them His special people. He gave them this land, and and He made them His portion. He, He just, He treated them as His pride and joy. And uh, he, he had rescued them. You think about where they had been. He found them in the desert land in the howling waste of a wilderness. He encircled him, cared for him, guarded him as the pupil of his eye. Almost guarantee you there's not a single one of you who would let me start messing with your eye. If I started getting my finger very close, you'd close your eyelid and you'd fight me. We guard very, very um, carefully. The, our, our eye. And, and that's the way God felt toward His people. He was that uh, careful, He was that protective of His people. Like an eagle that hovered over its young. Uh, God was just uh, constantly protecting, caring for, drawing His people close to Him. You know, and, and God, you know, when He gave the promised land to the people, why even the rocks yielded wonderful products. You know, he made him suck honey from the rock and oil from the flinty rock. I mean, the, the land flowing with milk and honey was so prosperous and so abundant. Uh, there, was, there was no comparison. There was, there was really, it was just overwhelming uh, prosperity, overwhelming abundance. What a great blessing to, to enjoy uh, the promised land in this way. Thoughts and comments on uh, these verses through verse 14. Yes, Sean. So what does that mean? I, it says pupil here, but another translation says apple of my eye. What does that mean? It's the part that you protect with your eyelid. Okay. You know, so it's the part, you know, nobody's going to touch my eye. So that, that's the part. I mean, that it, which... I mean, really, honestly, I am, I am, I have the strongest eye reflexes that have ever been known. <laughs> my mother has glaucoma, and so I need to get that puff of air in my eye. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't even really startle you that much. But I know it's coming. I cannot keep my eye open for anything. They had to study me for a long time to figure out between my blinks when they could get it in. It's terrible. I cannot keep it open. You want to put a drop in my eye? I mean, it doesn't hurt to have a drop in your eye. It feels good. I cannot keep my eye open. There's no way. I do everything. So you have to put it over it, and then it'll finally seep through. Uh, you know, but it's that, it's that reflex. You know, a protectiveness. I mean, there's hardly any area of our body more sensitive than, than, than our, I don't know what you call this, but, but the, the part of your eye that your eyelid protects. Uh, what we can think of as our eye. I mean, it's just, it's just really sensitive. 
It's really a blessing that God gave us those eyelid reflexes because that protects the, the, the vision. But, but that's what he's saying. He was that protective. He just cared for his people so, so carefully, so, um, I don't know, just conscientious. Austin? Do we talk to people and do we remind people of the Most High God? You know, it says, go ask your fathers, go ask your elders. And, and again, are we those people that people seek us out and they say, why are things so? Why, why does the world look the way that it does? And, and we, need to, we need to be those people that others can come and rely on. Good point. Yeah, that's, a good, that's a good thought. Eric? Uh, I like the verse, um, then in verse 9, it's bizarre to think of us as being uh, the, uh, the Lord's portion or His inheritance. And it reminds me of Ephesians chapter 1 I know some translations differ here but it talks about in verse 23 um, the body the the church is the fullness of him it's bizarre that we could be something that God would desire an amazing thing yes absolutely good point okay 15 to 18 but gesture and group fat you are growing fat thick and sleek then he forsook God who made him and scorned the rock of his salvation. They made him jealous with strange gods, with abominations they provoked and made. They sacrificed to demons who were not God, to gods whom they have not known, new gods who came lately, whom your fathers did not dread. You neglected the rock who begot you and forgot the God who gave you birth. Now, here was all God had done, Jasherun, that means the upright one, that was used with heavy irony. But that's what he intended his people to be. Jeshurun grew fat, so prosperous, so blessed, so abundantly provided for, and kicked. You are grown fat, thick, and sleek. Again, just the greatest of provision. Remember, we, we are in this just unbelievably blessed uh, period of prosperity. So... Fat to us sounds bad. You know, fat to any other nation has been a wonderful thing. You know, I mean, only rich, rich people could ever be fat. You know, so while we're reading books on how to keep from getting too fat and how to get skinny and how to diet, you know, other nations have been reading about how can we, you know, survive the famine. You know, so so this is a blessing. God God's made them fat and thick and sleek. You know, God's God's done so much, and they just forsook him. They just forgot him, scorned him, and went after a bunch of upstart gods. There were really no gods. They neglected the rock that forgot them. You know, it's amazing that a full stomach, instead of leading us to God, leads us away from God. Prosperity has an effect on a consumer's disposition. You know, sometimes we're a lot more submissive to God when things are going really badly. I think we ought to think about that more. I think sometimes we are ready to throw in the towel every time there's a a tragedy, and it may be just the thing we need to stay faithful to the Lord. Uh, Because certainly as God brought the, the Israelites into the land that just gushed milk and honey, the land that had everything, that's when they became even more rebellious and resistant. And it was such, a, such an outrageous thing because of what God had done for them, because of the abundance of His blessings. 
their refusal of God was just unspeakably outrageous. Thoughts and comments? Nineteen to twenty-five. The Lord saw this and spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and daughters. Then he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be. For they are a perverse generation, sons in whom is no faithfulness. They have made me jealous with what is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their idols. So I will make them jealous with those who are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. For a fire is kindled in my anger and burns to the lowest part of the of Sheol and consumes the earth with its, with its yield and sets on fire the foundations of the mountains. To 25. I will heap misfortunes on them. I will use my arrows on them. They will be wasted by famine and consumed by plague. A bitter destruction in it and the teeth of beast I will send upon them with the venom of crawling things of the dust. Outside the sword will bereave and inside terror, both young man and virgin, the nursling with the man of gray hair. Well, what does God do when he sees them spurning and scorning him? He says, I'll hide my face. I'll just let them go their own way. I'll let them find out for themselves what it's like to live without me. He'll withdraw his blessing and just let them go. Uh, because they are people who rejected God, they made him jealous with the no-gods, so he will judge them with a no-nation. You know, uh, he'll, he'll use just any nation to punish and humble them. A foolish nation, since they have sought after foolish gods. Because God is burning with anger. His anger is so pervasive that it permeates the most inaccessible parts of the universe. Burns down to the lowest part of Sheol. Consumes the whole earth, the foundations of the mountains. God is going to throw his arrows and cause famine and destruction and wild beasts and and sword. Uh, God is, is, is just going to pour out his wrath and anger because they had treated him so badly taking all of his generosity and and totally neglecting and despising him. Thoughts and comments? Twenty-six to thirty-three. I would have said, I will cut them to pieces. I will remove the memory of them from men, had I not feared the provocation by the enemy that their adversaries would misjudge, that they would say, Our hand is triumphant, and the Lord has not done all this. They are a nation lacking in counsel, and there is no understanding in them. Would that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would discern their future. How could one chase a thousand, and two put ten thousand to flight, unless their rock had sold them? and the Lord had given them up. Indeed, their rock is not like our rock. Even our enemies themselves judge this. For their vine is from the vine of Sodom and from the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of poison. Their clusters bitter. Their wine is the venom of serpents and the deadly poison of cobras. 
It is not laid up in store. Is it not laid up in store with me, sealed up in my treasuries? Vengeance is mine and retribution. In due time their foot will slip, for the day of their calamity is near, and the impending things are hastening upon them. For the Lord will vindicate his people and will have compassion on his servants when he sees their strength is gone and there is none remaining, bond or free. Okay. So think about what he's saying. God is sort of deliberating uh, with himself. And he says in verse 26, I would have said, I will cut them to pieces. I will remove the memory of them. You know, God would have just wiped them out. He would have just annihilated them. That would have been surely appropriate punishment. However, he feared their enemies you thinking that they had won the victory and that the Lord has just whipped out. He hasn't been able to care for his people. The pagan nations would see God destroying them as their victory, not as God's judgment. And so ultimately God spares Israel to protect his own reputation. It was not because Israel deserved to be spared. They should have been wiped out completely. They should have been just torn to pieces. That would have been the appropriate punishment. But God spares them. He, he doesn't execute the, the complete punishment that they deserve because he was concerned about his reputation. He knew that the nations were lacking in counsel, that there was no understanding of them. He, they, did, they would not have realized, they would not have thought through and believed that they could not have been defeated if their rock hadn't sold them, if the Lord hadn't given them up, given them up. The nations wouldn't realize, no, we won this victory because God let them go, because God quit protecting them, because God turned to help us destroy them. The nations wouldn't have realized that. Um, and, and so so for that reason, to salvage his reputation, ultimately God spared Israel. Um he says that their vine is the, from the vine of Sodom, from the fields of Gomorrah. Uh, that's pretty bad. You know, the, he says that they, they're really, you know, uh, they're, they're from the same culture. And that what the word we'd use, or from the same hybrid, you know, from the same thing stock as Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, uh, uh, the, it's the same brand of grapes, same uh, species or the same uh, vintage of grapes. Uh, in other words, they're just as bad. They're just as wicked. That, that's a really horrible thing to say about God's people, but it's true. That, that's exactly uh, the way it was. They were they were totally uh, uh, unfaithful to God as Sodom and Gomorrah had been. And uh, so God had chosen to destroy them, had chosen to punish them, but not to totally wipe them out to salvage his reputation. Thoughts and comments through this. So a lot to reflect on when we think about this. This song is really helpful and it really makes them reflect on God and what he's done. He's going to talk about the blessings he's going to ultimately give his people as God was going to uh, turn against their enemies and uh, bless his people again. Um, I would again say, if you stop and look at it, 
it is easier to understand God's wrath and His judgments than it is His grace. It's an amazing thing that God was as patient and merciful and long-suffering with Israel as He was. And it's an amazing thing that in spite of all of this, God, God had, had given them every warning, every opportunity, every experience of His blessings. They, they totally forsook Him, and yet He was still willing to bless them and bring them back and love them again. God did so many things to bless His people. And uh, I would just like to encourage us. We're going to stop uh, here in a minute and sing some songs before we close. We're going to, I'm going to uh, finish Deuteronomy, Lord willing, I think in like, I don't know, three or four weeks, something like that. Do you know the dates of the 24th? 24th and 25th of January at uh, my sister and brother-in-law's house. There'll be the talent show weekend. And on that Saturday, we'll have three or four hours to study the Bible together. So we'll try to conclude Deuteronomy there. That'll be on the website, the liveforit.us site. And uh, we will then continue Jeremiah and Lamentations uh, there, whatever time we have left over. I'm amazed we got this far. I did not think we would. Really appreciate your cooperation in that. I thought the comments have been outstanding, but you've kept them brief, and you've let me go on when I felt like we'd go on. And uh, I tried to be as concise as I could be. Yeah, I, I don't like repeating myself because I hate hearing somebody repeat themselves. So I tried to just move forward, tell you what I knew, and not keep telling you what I know. Uh, that, would, that would make a little bigger impression. It would sound like I knew a lot, but it would just be me saying the same thing over and over again. So uh, I decided there wasn't much profit in that. Uh, there's a lot I have to learn about Deuteronomy. Uh, but it's really helped to go through it like this. I really appreciate it. I've learned a lot. appreciate all your cooperation. Everybody's just been so cooperative, so encouraging, so helpful. It's kind of, you know, kind of bewildering to organize a place for people to stay and food and 